When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Egan from Dummy Half, back towards the middle. Johnson wants to go himself, then finds Harris. Harris, Dummy, goes himself. Doe Harris, he's got it! It's Ohu Harris! Takes about three manly defenders with him. If you had any questions over the knees, well, they held up under pressure there because Tohu Harris has scored just to the left of the sticks to bring the Warriors back at six points to four with a kick to come. Harris then out the back, Johnson out the back again. Now here they go out to the right-hand side. Matias Alessia, and then here he goes. Here, Dallin continues to climb high in 2023. He gets the second four-pointer for the Warriors. It's going to be 10 points to six. A difficult kick from the sideline for Adam Pompey, but a chance to make it 12 after just 12 minutes here in the first half. Now Egan goes back towards the middle. This is going to be tackle number four. Walker then finds Johnson. Johnson goes over the top. Skip pass to Atene Zalesia. Wrapping around is Rocco Berry, but Dallin takes it himself. Puts a bump on and still goes. And Dallin, he's going to get another. With Atene Zalesia. From, from really nowhere, put the burners on, bumped off a couple of manly defenders, dots down for try number two, it's 14 points to six with a kick to come, and Dallin continues to climb up the try scoring list for 2023. Inside the Warriors' danger zone, Croker from dummy half, now a skip pass out, Waitola Kawatu, Jerry Evans wrapping around, sub for the corner. That's too easy. Oh, what a play from Manly, just how they drew it up. Oh, an easy four-pointer, really, but it was a brilliant set-play move. Metcalf, they've got some numbers out on the left-hand side. Skip ball. Here's Montoya, but he has to cut back inside. He's still going, Marcelo, and eventually he gets an offload away. And Luke Metcalf, running the support line like Kempe said, has picked up a four-pointer. Marcelo Montoya, pat yourself on the back, son. Although Todd Smith is going to go upstairs and have a look at something. Jason Ford makes contact on Yeah, that's Manly no Sherry try. Evans. The Manly Seagulls go across field quickly and Saab gets oh, it on the right easy. hand edge and once again Jason Saab goes through untouched for Manly. All of a sudden it's going to be 16 points to 14. This one's not going to get scratched out by the bunker you wouldn't think. 16 points to 14 with a kick to come. We could be tied up with 10 and a half minutes to play in the first half. 20 metres out from the Warriors line. Manly go out towards the right hand side. Garrick then through the hands to Cherry Evans. A, a ball along the ground. It's going to be picked up by Saab. And he's going to go in for try number three. It was a dirty, ugly play from the Seagulls. The ball went right across the face of the attacking line. No one wanted it. It hit the ground. Saab picked it up. Went into the right-hand corner. 
He's got a hat-trick. And the Manly Seagulls lead 20 points to 16 with two minutes to play in the first half. Now Egan goes to Johnson. Johnson has plenty of players now. Here's a quick pass for Teddy Zalesniak. Going for the corner. Here, Dallin has three. He pumps the fists. He's got a triple. And the Warriors have the first points of the second half. 22 points to 20 with a kick to come after 12 minutes. Here's the corner. Straight to a hole. He's got pace to burn. The latter. He goes all the way. And the Warriors number 12 takes the dagger and sticks it into the hearts of the Sea Eagles. It's 26 points to 22 with seven and a half minutes to play, Kimby. Up to the Warriors 10 and it does come loose once again. This time it's okay. No referee Todd Smith this time says Manly you have lost it and the Warriors all crowd around one another because they know that could be the play that wins them this game. Lussick deep in the pocket is Johnson. Johnson's going to hit it. Johnson's going to hit it and Johnson's got it again. SJ Cooley walks back towards halfway as Todd Smith blows it over. 29 points to 22. It's out of reach for Manly now with a minute to play and the Warriors Hold on to their top four position for yet another week with just two weeks left to go in the season. And that'll be it as Todd Smith blows it. And the Warriors make it win number six for the first time in a row since 2002. We all know what happened that year. They beat the Manly Seagulls by 29 points to 22 at Daniel Anderson Stadium in Mount Smart. Marata near quarter with a try in the final 10 minutes to break the deadlock and Sean Johnson to ice the cake with a field goal. Kempe, they've got home, importantly, another two points on the NRL ladder as they head into the final two rounds of the season. Trading 22 points to 16 at half-time, maybe not the best defensive effort, but certainly got it together in the second 40. More importantly, they did pick up the two points. And let's not kid ourselves, this is a remarkable competition, the smallest of percentages separating the teams, and ultimately, the only currency is winning and losing. Joining me now on the programme, former Warriors Kiwis coach Frank Endicott. Frank, good afternoon. Welcome. Thank you. Oh, pleasure, Mark. Pleasure. Look, at the start of the season, I don't think anybody really expected this from the Warriors. We wanted improved performance, but I don't think anybody was picking the improvement that we have seen. What were your expectations at the start of the season? Uh, well, I made it very clear. I was asked on several stations uh, where I thought they'd finish, as I have done over the last 10 years or more. And, um, and I, I picked them for around that 11-12 position. Um, gee, I'm pleased I was wrong. Um, you know, to be third with two games to go on the ladder, they're looking at the top four, uh, Posse, and, and really had a fantastic year and, and proved us all wrong. Yeah, yeah. Why have they proved us wrong? What aspects have they got right that none of us saw coming? Well, I think there's a combination of things. I think, firstly, the coaching staff, um, and led by Andrew Webster, I think he's, uh, he's doing an amazing job, to be honest. Uh, he's, he seems to be a very good communicator. Uh, he's got uh, the players on board. They've bought into to his, um, his plan for the year. Um, and really, their discipline's improved. Uh, their recruitment's been very good. Now, when some of these players were recruited, I, I, you know, I thought they look okay, but I've got a question mark there, and I'll give you an example: the little halfback, Metcalf. You know, I, I didn't know how good he was. He's been one of the finds of the year. Um, he, he's just going from strength to the uh, strength to strength, and his combination uh, 
um, with with Sean Johnson is is just getting better and better. Mm. One of the observations, I guess, we've won six on the trot. As I said, the currency is about winning. Hopefully we well and truly cement ourselves with a couple more games inside that top four and we get the two lives in the playoffs. But a lot of callers and Warriors diehard fans are concerned that our players are just starting to look mentally and physically fatigued. So if you're Andrew Webster, how do you how, how do you manage that knowing that going into the playoffs you probably want your you probably want your performance curve to be heading up, maybe not down? Well, I think that's exactly what he's doing. If you go back over their last three games and their wins, um, they haven't looked convincing, yet they've won. Now, he'll peak them up for the uh, for the finals. Um, you know, he'll he'll freshen the minds up and he'll, there'll be a couple of wee tricks to the uh, trade that he'll do that uh, freshen them up for the playoffs. And uh, they've only got to win those, you know, couple of games and they're there. So, you know, I think... I think they're doing. I think they're right on track because you know, as I say, when you don't play at your best and you still get the two points, it's a sign of a pretty good side. Okay, uh, do they do they need to lose between now and the playoffs just to kickstart to come back down to earth, um, or is it in their best interest just to keep winning? Keep winning is um, yeah. I'm not. I don't go along with that losing one to to, to win one sort of thing. <laughs> I, you know, you've got to if you, you that it's a it's a habit. Winning's a habit. Losing's a habit. And um, you know, to, to keep putting those wins together, it'll give them more confidence that they can do well in the playoffs. So uh, yeah, they got two what two games left. They got the Dragons at home and Dolphins away. You know, both winnable games um, without a doubt. So uh, both teams well below them. Um, so you know you, you win those two and you're going into the finals with real uh, with real confidence. If you beat St George, you do basically secure a top four finish. Yep. Is it an opportunity then against the Dolphins to give the wider squad a bit of a run and maybe give some of those marquee players a week off? Uh, that's a possibility. Sometimes it plays for you, sometimes again you. Um, but. Uh, the coach will know. He'll know there's a player there that's just sort of fatiguing a little bit at the moment. And, um, you know, he might rest two or three players, but I don't think he'll go uh, crazy and rest half the squad. Um, but if there are players there that are hurting at the moment, and most players this time of year are carrying minor injuries. Um, so, you know, it will be a chance for him if they beat the Dragons to, uh, to rest a couple of the, of the key players. Broncos Panthers, uh, I think, most people would say are clearly a step above the other teams in this competition. Um, can you see them being beaten? Uh, I mean, how, how do you, how do you stop their momentum? Well, I, I can't look. Anyone can be beat on the day, as we know. But um, those two teams, the Broncos and Penrith, they're they are really um, a level above the other teams at the moment. I think the only team that that could threaten them on the day at the moment would be Melbourne Storm. Um, but you know the Warriors put just one one decent ga- game together, and you know you you can win, you can beat them, you've beat them before, you know. So it's all in the mind. You've got to be prepared, and you've got to um, come up with that super performance on the day. Mm. Okay, I, I want to talk about Sean Johnson because I, I didn't 
uh, rate this guy. I'm surprised the Warriors re-signed him. I was pretty hot under the collar about it, and I thought it was a bit of a step backwards. I, I even used the line, Frank, that you know you can't put back in what God left out, and if you you know if he was going to be the man, he would have been the man in previous seasons. But again, he's proved me wrong. Happy to walk up, happy to apologise him, shake his hand, and go congratulations. Why the turnaround in form? Um, did you see this coming? What were your thoughts on Sean Pryor to the start of this season? Well, I have always made confident, um, uh, made confident uh, comments about Sean because I know what he's capable of. And the only time he dropped away from form was when they were, uh, they were stationed in Australia. And if you know Sean, you know he's a family man. And he was missing his uh, little one, he was missing his wife, and, um, and it really affected him. And his play went right off. And, and, and I agree, you know, most people thought, don't resign him. But as soon as he got home... Uh, apparently his attitude just changed dramatically, you know, being with his family again, and that's what's brought the best out of him. That combined with some confidence from the coaching staff, um, giving him that uh, confidence that he's, his, his game's just gone to another level. I reckon he'll get the Dally Emery um, um, Award this year. Come on, the Australians I, I are not the Australians are not going to give the Kiwi the Dally Emery, are they? I mean, they just don't do it. Well, they're just, they're just morally corrupt, Frank, the Australians. Let's be honest about it. <laughs> I'll have to. I'll have a. I'll have a pint of beer with you that he wins it. <laughs> this is a. This is a country that made Ned Kelly and Chopper Reed national heroes, mate. <laughs> yeah, I'm well aware of it, mate. Yeah, I'm well aware of that. that- they do anything to win. Yeah, look, one of the comments I heard too with Sean's improvement is the fact, I think Stacey had done a lot with him on defence as a confidence to actually go now defensively and make the tackles has actually given him maybe a little bit more courage to take the line on. Is there some merit in that? How important, if you're a good tackler, does that give you more confidence off, offensively? Well, it does. And I've, I've seen a, a big improvement in Sean's defence this year. A big improvement, and uh, you know, where there's not too many halfbacks around that can take front rowers and back rowers on head on, and he's doing it. Um, you know, Andrew Johns was one that could. He was mostly the best of them, uh, halfbacks on defence. And Sean's defence has improved out of sight. He never was a real strong tackler, but this year his defence has been very, very good for a half. Mm. Okay, the other talking point is that. The NRL have the rights when it comes to the playoffs after the first round. Potentially, we could see the Warriors having to take their home game to Eden Park because it seats 50,000 or 45,000, 20,000 more than Mount Smart. Look, I just don't agree with this. I know the NRL, they own it. They have the right to do it. Manly have been forced to do it in the past. But surely... You earn the right for the home advantage, you should get the home advantage. Putting Mm. commercial decisions ahead of performance decision, I think, is appalling. What's your take on this? Well, it is, but you know, you know, the NRL. It's all about the dollar, and um, and you know, you're gonna you're gonna get double the crowd at the Eden Park, aren't you? So, you know, that's the reason why I think you should always get the advantage. But aren't we getting the advantage still playing at home in Auckland? Regarded, you know, regarded well, the stadium. Yes and no. I mean, Liverpool will argue that Anfield is a coliseum like no other. I mean, I, I, look, yeah. I, I'm not a fan of Mount Smart. I, I even this morning described it as a shithole, but it's the Warriors' shithole, and it's a hard place to play. <laughs> and it's got its little, it, it's got its little idiosyncrasies, but it works, and the fans love it, and it has become a cauldron. And I think it's a very different ground to Eden Park. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Mark. I mean, it it would be a greater advantage for them to play at Mount Smart. No doubt about that. And I know one thing also, Australian teams don't like going there. So you're right in the sense you're right. But whether they make that decision or not remains to be seen. 
Right. Uh, Frank, what are you up to these days? Someone's just texting in. Uh, well, uh, I've got a real interest in, in uh, racehorses at the moment, and um, I'm following the horses. We had one in last night, and uh, we've got uh, I've got a share in that um, little beauty, Millwood Nike, who's won 14 from 14. So, you know, I'm, I'm just absolutely wrapped in, in going to the races and watching these horses race at the moment. Uh, it's you, it's, uh, it's an outlet for me, and, and I'm really enjoying it. Other than that, I'm retired. <laughs> and, and, and what's Shane up to? Shane's in Millwood Nike with me. Uh, there's five of his own here, um, and he's really taken a big interest. But he's in the t- building trade going very well. Um, still, Believe it or not, still doing earthquake repairs from the earthquake back in 2010, and um, he's done very, very well. And what about Gary, still running some marathons? Gary, I've just seen him just walk in the, uh, dr- in the drive. No, he can't. No, no, his body's starting to tell a bit now on him. He's, uh, he's done his hard work. Climbing mountains and running marathons, and yeah, because he's climbed, uh, he's climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, and we, we should just let people yes. know that he was born with cerebral palsy, wasn't he? Which you know, that, that's, yes. we're talking about what well, remarkable achievements. What, yeah, he wasn't actually born with it, Mark. Oh, he wasn't was he? Born okay? No, he he was born okay, mate. But he was he was seven months um, born at the seventh seventh month, and they put him in an incubator. And in Christchurch in those days, you used to have quite a few power, power cuts. And we had a power cut, and in that split second, but uh, between going from incubator to the um, uh, auxiliary power, it created a little airlock in the hose, and that affected a small part of his brain that caused a cerebral palsy. Because mm, he's done some great things, hasn't he? In that, um, if I can use that, in that parasport space. Oh. Oh, look, look, he went to the, he decided he wanted to play tennis, so he went to Tokyo for the world um, and got a gold medal in the World Games in Tokyo. Then he wanted to run a marathon, and we cringe. Well, he ran four New York marathons, um, and then he wanted to uh, climb Mount Kilimanjaro, I think the only disabled person at the time to do it. Um, and he, he got there. It nearly killed him, to be honest. Um, but he got there. He did it. He was very uh, sure in what he was going to do, and he did it. So tongue-in-cheek, of course, Frank. So fair to say he got his talent from his mum? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she, she'd agree with you, too. I'll tell you. Yeah. No, actually, she was the one that actually helped him to actually walk. Because they said he'd never get out of a wheelchair. He'd never be in a he'd be in a wheelchair the rest of his life. Well, he's never been in a wheelchair for one minute. No. So um, she she taught him lifting his legs over clothes pegs for two years to lift his leg, and that's what got him walking. No, brilliant. No, remarkable family, the Endicotts. Congratulations, and thank you for joining us on the program this afternoon. Absolute pleasure, Mark. Have a great day. Thank you. 18 and a half minutes after 12. Frank Endicott there giving us his thoughts on the Warriors. Very much believes just keep winning. Don't need to lose to sharpen the pencil to um, give yourself a little bit of a wake up or maybe snap back into slightly better form.